0: Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms could have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way, through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge to your hosts, Brad Warfurtz, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez.
1: All right. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Greg Gonzalez here, and this is part two. This is going to be our advanced level CRM planning for those people that want to take their CRM to the next level. And we have the, the privilege and honor of having Andrew Ladwig. He is the Director of Business Development with Wealthbox. Again, Wealthbox is one of the most popular CRMs that's out there. A lot of our listeners... Use Wealthbox, and some are, you know, using other other vendors as well. But but we're going to learn so much from Andrew today. This advanced level CRM planning. In in last week's episode, we had kind of talked about kind of the more basic, the fundamentals, the mistakes people are making with their CRM usage, and even shared some stories, you know, of, of advisors and firms and and where they were kind of missing out and and what was kind of holding them back. So. This episode is going to be a little different. We're going to take it to the kind of next level thinking with CRM planning and and kind of even, Andrew, if it's okay, with what's ahead in the future, where this business is going. I was on a webinar not too long ago where it was with Wealthbox and there was another my voiceover IP vendor where literally, and and this might be in the pipeline, but literally they they did a demo with us. It was a webinar demo. Client calls Mm -hmm. in. Their phone number comes up on your computer screen. Their their CRM, which happened to be Wealthbox, and their their financial profile, literally in our our back office's system, all pulls up. I don't have to click a button. I don't have to click my mouse. It's just it was just it was in. I was like amazed by this. Like <laughs> this is the future that's ahead. This is technology that when a client calls up, my computer screen just. Whoosh, And all their data comes right to my monitor without clicking anything. How amazing is this?
2: it's it, how many of us answer calls from numbers that we don't know at this point? Maybe, maybe I'm a millennial, Greg, but it is it is something that I, I don't think a ton of people are doing that right now. And to your point, you know, we, we not only do we have some integrations with some great VOIP providers out there, but, you know, we've actually launched recently caller ID for, for Apple users, iOS users. So for any Wealthbox users out there that are, that are listening in, definitely check that out. That was one of our latest releases. And to your point, Greg, that's the fact of even if If I'm not in the office, as long as I've got that Wealthbox mobile app on there, I can see exactly who's calling me and I will know it's a business call going into it. So even just that simple knowledge is is helpful before picking up the phone these days.
1: It is. It is. So, and there's, so let's talk about integration. So, these CRMs, they don't like live out on an island anymore. So, right when, you know, when I started in this business, we used a, you know, another vendor that's, I don't even think they're around anymore, but it was like so archaic and, and basic. I mean, you could kind of put notes in there if you were lucky that the information all saved and it was backed <laughs> by a server. And yeah. then if the server crashed, you were, you were SOL. <laughs> I mean, it, it was really, it's like, okay, we. Can go home now. So you know, t- today it's you know most CRMs are you know backed by some kind of cloud, and, and and there there's integrations. So can you kind of spend a little bit of time talking about these integrations and and you know where what they look like and 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 all that stuff.
2: Yeah. So I'll I'll kick it off. I think this is a really, really poignant stat. One of the major custodians runs a benchmarking survey every year. And this this year's survey, I think, had a little over 1,300 respondents. And they usually look at kind of that top tier, right? What they call that top 20% of firms, And to your point of the CRM and generally technology no longer lives on an island, what they found is in that top 20% of firms, the overwhelming majority had three or more different, think okay. about that, right? Think about that. So the best performing advisors in terms of growth and AUM had three or more vendors plugged into their CRM. It makes okay. sense, right? That it that truly means you are plugged in and you've got, I use the word ecosystem. You've got that ecosystem built. So to me, Greg, the, the kind of the trinity of integrations is email calendar. Okay. Find- and financial account data so each of those three let's think about that email calendar is is very simple you need to be able to see especially in today's world i may not be working in the office and popping my head around greg you need to see if jim can make it to a prospect meeting next thursday at two o'clock right yeah Uh, he's on vacation as long as the calendar is connected you're there with email, you absolutely need to be able to see all the back and forth with clients and prospects. If you pop away down to, you know, down to the lake for a weekend, but you need to see whether something got followed up on via email, any back and forth, that that should RM, right? So, being able to see all the emails back and forth with clients, with prospects, with wholesalers, with, you know, your your centers of influence, your estate planning attorneys, there. The second one, financial planning, you know, that we have seen a massive shift. I've been in the industry going on 13 years now. Uh, We are much more financial planning focused. And along with that, it just makes sense that know your client data that lives within your CRM probably should talk to your financial planning software that you're right. using to run that, right? So that uh, that ability to not only create a contact, gather that KYC data, but have it pushed into your planning program so that you're not doing what I call the swivel chair effect. The last thing you want you or your staff to do is to be copying and pasting and copying. No, that is not, it doesn't make sense today. And so you wanna make sure that you've got that connection there. The final one is financial account data. And, you know, I I previously have worked in the portfolio accounting system space. And, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about looking at alpha, beta, or sharp ratio here. I'm talking about, and Greg, you know, this situation where a client comes in and they've got to make a tuition payment, right? To to Mizzou next week. And they just, you just need to be able to get a quick view at what's in their brokerage account. Or they say, hey, did this chunk hit my 401k or whatever it may be? And you've just got to be able to see it. Now, portfolio accounting systems are built for that more ongoing reporting, that more linear return series type data. But, but really what you're looking to have, I call it that five or 15 minute piece where you got a client coming in. It's that quick look of how, where am I at? what have I got? And if I get a quick question, I want to be able to answer it. So you want financial account data to live in your CRM as well. That trinity of email calendar, financial planning, and financial account data, I think for everyone that's using a CRM, no matter who it is, take a look and see if that you can connect those. And even if you have them connected, are there ways that I can better use it?
1: Yeah, and and even, you know, for most CRMs too, you know, for the advisors out there that that oh, I we want to we want to continue to use the Outlook calendar. Well, that can still that great, great That great. that can integrate just as well with with a Wealthbox or a, another CRM. I mean, you, it's not going to take away from that. It'll it'll just just link.
2: If any of you out there are working in a firm where maybe you've got a stubborn stubborn older advisor, I see Greg smiling, that yep. you're struggling to get the uptick on technology. Get their email and calendar connected, help them go sit down with them at their desk, get it connected because they don't have to do anything different. To your point, Greg, if they're using their Outlook calendar on their phone and they put in there everything, it is, you know, I can speak for Wealthbox, it's going to reflect in there. So yes, uh, even with those stubborn older advisors, definitely get, get that done
1: yeah yeah and one thing that's beautiful and this is another tip with our firm we use a schedule once is kind of our calendly it's an online calendar so if somebody books a a meeting and and there's a link in my email and website and all that stuff where people can literally a prospective client can go click on my calendar book it through schedule once, which is, you know, like a, like a calendly like type of thing. And then that automatically populates in my wealth box calendar. It's just beautiful. It's just, so they should all talk to each other.
2: Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more, Greg, because I think, you know, the way that you use schedule once, and, and I think other advisors should be using it is it's not just one blanket link either, is it right? No. It is, you know, I can speak. I, you know, some background. I work on an ongoing basis with our custodial partners, our broker dealer partners, our integration partners, as well as our own internal teams. And I've got different uh, on our end, I've got different calendar scheduling links, depending on who that conversations with. And, you know, Greg, as I think about some of some of the firms locally here in Grand Rapids and Michigan that I've worked with, you know, let's say they're working with a striker or a steel case and a lot of employees from there, but they also may be working with the local school district, right? GRPS or somewhere else. They, they probably should have Two different scheduling links for prospects from Striker versus, say, GRPS. Or, let's say we talked a little bit in episode one about client segmentation. You may have a little bit different client review scheduling link for A, B, C, gold, silver, bronze. And the beauty of those is, if you're really in tune with your your CRM, you know you can actually build in templates and in, into your signatures those links so you and your staff can have the right link sent out to the right people on the back end. But I think going beyond just usually using a scheduling vendor, I would actually look at, hey, what exact type of meetings or calls am I having and how can I build those out within my scheduling uh, vendor as well
1: that's that's next level planning right there because i i i think at my firm we have three different types we kind of have an intro for prospect a, a review and then another one as well with my associate advisor so but that's yeah they allow you different mm-hmm. that that's that is next level planning right there and and you control who Who you can, like you said, your assistant knows which one, which of the links to send to people strategically. You don't have to tell them, oh, you get this one. It's, you kind of know that in house. So that's, that's next level. So, and it can be, oh, maybe, maybe it one's a 30 minute, one's a 45 minute where, you know, it's more involved or maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, one's a zoom or phone or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's next level stuff right there. So, you know, for anybody that's not using that that is scheduler, whether it's Calendly, Schedule Once, it again for the for the cost and it integrates right to your Wealthbox or other CRM. I'm I'm talking game changer here, and it has made myself, Jim, Brad, a lot of money. So, so look at it.
2: It's, it's interesting. So we introduced a feature not too long ago where within Wealthbox Mail, you can actually track opens, uh, clicks and interactions. So I think every advisor out there, and I'm chuckling as I'm saying this, have, probably has some long term clients that may be more difficult to get in touch with or get that review meeting set up with imagine where, how much easier it is. You send that, that client review meeting link out every quarter or every six months to them. You have your staff check in because you've got it in the workflow there. And I can actually see if they've opened up my email. I can see if they've clicked on it. Right. We all have seen advisors have seen those clients that just aren't easy to get back with. Maybe not the most tech savvy, but it allows you and your staff to keep up on that
1: and that's that's an integration within wealthbox integrating your your email to wealthbox where you can actually check
2: if it's been if the
1: email was opened right
2: Correct. So our integrations with both Google, Google works, Google Workplace, and then also with Office three sixty five connects directly to the server. And I'm gonna get ner- I'm gonna get nerdy here for a second with Wealthbox connecting to that email exchange. That is how not only emails are flowing in and out. I always use the analogy that that email exchange is like the post office. Anytime an email comes in, anytime an email goes out, it goes through there. Those of you that, again, are, are compliance focused will be happy to hear that that means it also gets logged and archived through through the correct processes. But that way, also, like you're saying, Greg, somebody somebody goes through Schedule once, schedules that because it's going through your email exchange and going on to your calendar. It's also going to reflect within WealthBox. So you don't even have to worry about connecting WealthBox to Schedule once because it connects directly to your email exchange. Does that make sense? It does it
1: does. and you know what I I use that feature sending emails out of out of wealth box. and again, it's all compliance because it's it's all all taken care of. but uh, you might find this interesting, Andrew to those prospects that were in like my, you know, hey, we'll get back with you kind sure. of thing. and this this was a couple of years ago and, and basically it's not so the email goes out. it's not like a read receipt. A email mm-hmm. where they have to actually click it. Like right, it, it right. tells you whether the email was right. opened or not. It's is like one of the slickest things ever. And right. so I could, I could see that people were opening my email and it even told me that they were clicking on my schedule once link to <laughs> within the email to, to set up a, a follow-up conversation, but they, they weren't scheduling the appointment. So that kind of told me like right there that, Hey, they're, they're probably not no longer interested. So, sure. but yeah, what a cool feature that is. If anybody hasn't used that yet within Wealthbox, it's pretty awesome. So, okay, Let, let's, let's keep moving here. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about, and we talked about this in, in the last uh, episode a little bit, but the value of firms. And so for those people, we have a lot of listeners that are interested in acquiring a firm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a practice and you know but one of the things that you know that you and i would both look at is okay get an idea of what the crm that the advisor or or the business is using how mm-hmm. up to date it is and and how organized everything is you're going to kind of get a sense of hey is this a, is this a very proactive business or is this kind of a reactive business how organized because the, 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 one of the biggest assets of the business you're buying it is the CRM and everything that it encompasses.
2: It's, it's funny. I'm going to use a golf analogy here. It's like showing up to the, to the range and seeing a guy that you're going to compete against and you look at their clubs and their, the, the ball, the spot on the club face is all over the place and you can tell they're not playing much golf. Right. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you got a guy that's got a little dime sized spot right in the middle of the club face. And it's like, oh, okay, this guy's got it. I got to watch out today. Right. that's what you can tell very quickly from the from the crm right and you know one of the other things too greg that that comes up quite a bit for our team is for folks that are in you know m&a mode looking at other firms bringing them on all right they've got a dinosaur crm or they've got a crm that we're not comfortable with what does it look like to can, can i bring data over what does that look like and then also if i bring them into my firm you know, how do I perhaps as the the chief compliance officer or ZOSJ, how do I make sure that I have access to things, but also that that the you know other people or maybe another advisor in the firm doesn't have access uh, to the to the wrong types of data too. And You know, that first point about data migration, you know, I I will say that, that most of the CRMs in our space today play nicely in the sandbox. And by that, I mean data can be migrated over typically notes tasks custom fields can all be brought over you know between systems and you know i can speak to on our side we've got a full-time team that that actually helps on those data migrations so that is a huge piece for the situation where you're looking at acquiring a firm talk to your crm vendor talk about getting them set up correctly the first time so that not only is that firm being acquired comfortable but you are comfortable from both a business standpoint and a compliance standpoint from a data migration side.
1: So, so data migration is kind of like all the old data is rolling over to the new CRM that you're that you're using. Is that right?
2: You're, you're br- the even simpler. You're bringing that that advisor's Rolodex, whether it's old school or whether it's on their CRM, and you're bringing it into your Rolodex, right? So that's oftentimes going to be the notes that are in their tasks. You know, anything that's in there from that standpoint, bringing that over. And the first thing to do is to just scope that out. And, you know, our team can help you out on that if you're a Wealthbox user or curious about it. But I would just be proactive because, again, as we talked about, the CRM is oftentimes for better or for worse, the central nervous system for a firm. So you don't want to have downtime. If you're in that M&A mode and looking to acquire, no matter which side of the table you're on, you don't want downtime with that. So be proactive in looking at that and moving that, migrating that data over.
1: Okay. Okay. No that that's that's a great tip. Is there typically is there any I could see this holding people up and saying, oh gosh, we don't make a change or you know something like that because oh I'm going to miss data or it's not going to come over. It, d- does that ever happen? And and if so, what is the data that that is held up? Is it attachments? Is it emails? Is it you know what does that look like?
2: Well, with a smile on my face, it's oftentimes the firm being acquired not having their data in good order right? It's garbage in garbage out, right? So that's that moment that emperor has no clothes moment of holy cow, I've got a 27 year veteran of the financial services industry. And you know, they're well known, but they may not have their data in order, right? That is a big one. You know, the thought of a downtime isn't isn't so much of an issue. I know that on Wealthbox's end, we can really quickly get data moved over as we get things scoped out. My guess is other, other vendors will as well, but at the same time, there is a kind of emperor has no clothes moment of after that deal has been consummated, now data has got to move over. How do we go about doing so and how do we do it? I'll give you an example. A lot of firms with their documents, and we talked a little bit about this in episode one, you came up in an office that had physical filing cabinets, right? The first office I worked at had physical filing cabinets you know there's the the element to that and i always use the the tree root analogy here the best firms out there have everything broken out into file trees right maybe it's by family or household and then individual and then perhaps by account by there A lot of firms just have it just kind of scattershot, right? And that will definitely take time. So I would urge everyone out there, no matter which side of the table you're on to, make sure all of that is in good order. If you have things in the correct file tree by household, then by individual, then by account, that process is pretty darn smooth. But if you're looking at it and saying, Gosh, I've got, uh, I've got everything on my, my home screen, just kind of scattershot. It's probably time to take a look at your documents and get them in good order.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So we talked about migration and so that, that, that kind of hopefully gives our listeners some sense of relief of, you know, it's not this intimidating process. And, and, you know, in this day and age, a lot of that data can be migrated, either to a wealth box or another CRM that you may be already using. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, as far as privacy and and this so so just imagine and and you did a good job of kind of painting a picture of an advisor that's maybe not on an island maybe they're in an office with a group of other advisors and maybe they all share a CRM where they all share the same calendar because maybe they're sharing a conference room or something like that how do you keep how do you keep their their client information private from the other person
2: <laughs> it's funny so I think about my time uh, and again, here in the Midwest, I worked heavily in the the independent broker dealer space for years. I had a lot of offices that I worked with that were in old homes, right? Old houses. So I actually kind of like this analogy when you think about, especially for a growing practice, you may be starting to rent out more rooms in the house, right, and bringing in other advisors. And you wanna lock those doors at night but you still need someone that has that omnibus key that can get in anywhere in the household, right? And so to that point, I think it's incredibly important to understand the not only the data ownership that you want there, but also the privacy that you need. And with Wealthbox, there's a couple ways to really break this out. The first is with workspaces. And think about this, if you're a firm that has perhaps, whether it's an OSJ, or a principal or a chief compliance officer you've got some leaders of that group but then you have specific practices underneath that going back to that house analogy you've got the leader of the house the guy that's got the key or the the woman that's got the key to the whole house but then you've got advisors that have their own offices or rooms within there they could each have their own individual workspace or what I would call a data silo that, that that advisor can have you know, control over. Also that firm owner and the account owner would have con- the ability to see into there and have uh, viewership into their data. But the advisor in the next office over has their own data silo with that same setup, right? So that's your first way to do so is with workspaces, right? Using that idea of having that overall house but then having it broken out room by room, everybody's got their key at the end of the night where they can lock things up. The second way that you can do so, and this is especially as you get into kind of the economies of scale of, of growing under a larger firm, is you may be sharing uh, a CSA, a junior planner, right? Or you know other elements within the firm. From there, you can utilize permissions even alongside those workspaces. So perhaps there's a CSA that is working across two to three different advisors, they run their own unique firms, but that CSA does need access or permission to each of those. You can set that up with Wealthbox. Uh, We make it easy to do so. Um, Again, think of it in that linear format, like that household ownership, and then the rooms within it. Uh, The biggest thing is just to let us know the scope of what you're doing, how you're planning to grow. And it's incredibly easy to, to add users within Wealthbox. We went through this on episode one, but that new hire onboarding, that new advisor onboarding I think is a critical element or critical process for firms to be building out that are going to be in that growth mindset moving forward.
1: Yeah. And and I just think of, you know, all the different, you know, business structures. You see all these, you know, advisors, not everybody's solo. You know, a lot of people like to team up and but but oftentimes they'll say, hey, I, you know, this guy's a part of our team or Gal is a part of our team, but maybe we want to limit access to, you know, to the client, some of the client data that they have and and others maybe maybe if we're sharing an assistant which is extremely common different advisors will share an assistant and they'll say oh I want them to have access to my clients and also access to the advisor B's clients but but the advisors don't want access to each other's client data within the CRM so that that's absolutely huge and it's it, it also kind of Protects each other, you know. Hey, if that other advisor leaves, I don't want them leaving with all my clients' data,
2: right? Within the CRM, you want uh, export. You want ex something as simple as export control, right? Yeah. You you want the only the right people that can export data within a firm. And Greg, I'll give you another example. A, a good friend of mine here locally runs both a wealth management practice as well as a retirement plan business, right? So he has two separate workspaces set up. He he purposefully puts a wall in between those businesses. And when someone shifts from one side of the business to the other, a prospect becomes a client. They can absolutely do so, but he loves that element of having two separate workspaces so that he can manage those two different sides of the business separately. But he also has that overview of both of them and a couple of their principals do as well. But that's a perfect example of of why two separate workspaces, even within the same firm can make sense.
1: I love it. That that's a really really good example. So, so yeah, so you call that kind of permissions and and grouping clients. You can also in your CRM. Again, this is this is next level stuff. Kind of grouping clients and and saying, "Okay, maybe you know, for a bigger team, you have advisors that work with a certain group of the overall client base. They may not work with every single client you have under the roof, but they they only work with that segment." In in episode one, we had talked about client segmentation, why that's so important. You know, when, when you're doing your CRM planning. So again, the the whole thing with you know looking ahead, we. You know, as advisors, you know a lot of advisors change firms. They, you know they're not married to their current firm. But when you own, you have that that data ownership with your CRM, whether it's Wealthbox or or some other CRM vendor out there. You own that data. You can go to another firm, take it with you. Your username, I'm, I'm sure Wealthbox Andrew. It doesn't really matter whether they're at LPL or Raymond James or Fidelity or wherever. That's still that username and password still works, right?
2: I'll add this qualifier always check with your back office. But again, for most firms that are out there paying for their own technology, paying for their own licenses, they do have ownership of that data. And that's incredibly important, right? I believe, Greg, you had some background in, in captive environments and other advisors who have. They know that they're oftentimes starting fresh out of it and they move to the independent world, right? Mm -hmm. And they move so that they've got more ownership of not only their business, but their their client base as well. So I just, there's a lot of value in you knowing and owning your data from a long-term standpoint
1: and and kind of keeping that away from the the broker dealer or the custodian kind of i like i don't know just just me personally kind of having that that ability to have it outside is 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 just huge i mean that's that's the ownership and and you can see i think we kind of painted the picture out there 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 are still so many advisors out there that and and maybe i i know we were kind of poking fun at maybe some of the older advisors that that haven't kind of gotten up to speed on the new technology and and just the the abilities of, of CRMs nowadays, but it, it's, it's the way of the future. And it's, it's kind of, you know, get on board. And one next level thing that you had mentioned, and it has made my life a lot, lot easier, but if, if your CRM has a di- dictation Ability on it. And you can just dictate your notes really, really quick. Again, if you're on the road, if you're in between meetings or something like that, Wealthbox has this feature. It is huge. It is a big time saver. and And it's fairly accurate, really, that dictation. <laughs>
2: As long as you're okay with your, your significant other, your office mates looking at you like you're crazy for a second while you're you're recording your notes. Uh, no, I, in all seriousness, voice dictation is probably one of the features that gets that light bulb moment going for advisors, right? Yeah. You know, we think about the way that you all are building your business and especially in today's world, it's not always in an office with a mahogany desk in front of you. It's oftentimes going out, it's meeting with groups, it's running seminars. It's being out work at networking events. And the fact that you can dictate your notes right within there, you can even add a, a, a new prospect right within there. You can add a staff a task for a staff member right off of there is absolutely huge. So I would encourage all of you, uh, I I have seen the skeptics turn before, check out the voice dictation. It it is very accurate, Greg. Uh, I had a a, a very funny conversation not too long ago with an office on Long Island and I showed it to them and the light bulbs went off. They went kind of quiet and they said, I can't do the accent, but is this going to pick up my, my, my Long Island accent? And, and, they, and they chuckled a bit. And yes, it does. So I would absolutely you know take a look at voice dictation, whether it's with Wealthbox or outside of it. That is a time saver for you. It, and Greg, I'll ask you, the difference between a note put in within 15 minutes of a uh, conversation versus the next morning clicking your keyboard, which one's going to be better?
1: The one fifteen minutes. As soon as that review meeting is over with, or if it's a new prospect meeting, you need to be as descriptive as possible. Even even reciting the words that you have, you know, on your yellow legal pad or whatever, as uh, as detailed as you can be. And and I. I just for myself personally, if I can dictate something, I'm gonna put more, more detailed notes because I don't have to I get lazy typing it out, right? So yeah, the, the more descriptive you can be and the quicker. And then you don't have to the way we used to do it is oh, the next day we'll put the notes in from the review meeting or whatever happened. And then a lot of times it didn't get done. And hey, when you get time, can you put those notes in? It's just just make it a habit of Utilizing the technology and and just get it done as quick. I mean, you can dictate it in two minutes, and and just just make that a part of your review meeting or meeting process. One of our elite advisor lab members asked us, you know, hey, how do you put your notes in from your meetings? And yeah, yeah and it was some people kind of had their template that they had built, and other people, and the way I did it is again. Just either typing it in or dictating it right there within the CRM for me works beautifully. And then, like you said, if you need to have any action items after that, you can tag or you you can uh, notify your your team members um, to make sure those get completed.
2: Let's so. let's let's pull on that thread here real quick because you just mentioned something that I think every firm should be doing, and I think there's been a shift in mindset uh, over the years. I think you should templatize many of your notes, tasks, and your workflows, right? So again, you brought up a client review meeting, prospect calls, inbound calls to your CSA. Get those built out in your CRM as a note template. Look, you're going to be on the road. There's going to be times when you're going to be dictating things and they're just going to be off the cuff, free flowing. But what you can, let's take three examples very quickly here. Client client re- review notes post meeting, client meeting confirmations, and prospect meeting notes. Templatize those. It doesn't mean you're not going to be able to put your own little spin and you know on that, but it does mean that you are going to be know exactly what those notes look like. Everyone runs 15 minutes late for a meeting. Craig, if you're getting ready for a second meeting with the prospect and you've got templatized notes from that first fo- phone call. You know, with five minutes to go when you pull up Wealthbox, exactly what you can expect going into there. Same thing with tasks, right? Move money requests, Um, a simple check-in, hey, did we change beneficiaries? Just templatize those right within there. I think the biggest one that people could add uh, tomorrow is move money requests. That is a, a task that can be templatized. You can create that within Wealthbox. You and your staff don't have to think twice about it. And oh, by the way, if you add a staff member down the road, they know exactly what what goes into that, what questions to ask, what to take from that phone call, exactly what to do.
1: That's great advice right there. That is great advice. Hopefully people were taking note of that. And there's one more thing that I wanted to to touch on on today's podcast. And that is, we haven't talked about it yet, and, and I'm surprised we haven't, but Opportunities. How do yeah. you know? So many people say, "How do you track up?" Op- you know, new business opportunities, and and yeah, you're going to have your workflow, but you know, opportunities and and Wealthbox does have, and again, this isn't a commercial for for Wealthbox, and I'm sure other CRMs probably have a similar opportunities tab or tool, but this is something I really, really encourage you utilize your CRM to track the opportunities for new business.
2: Yeah, it's And I chuckle because I I think back to some of the offices I've been in and I've looked at computer, the monitors for advisors, and they've had sticky notes on the monitor, right? Follow up on this or that. What we've built out and what you should be doing within your CRM is, is that same idea, but we're just doing it with technology, right? So we've got opportunities where... Not only can you track where they're at from a stage standpoint, because Greg, you and I both know and other advisors out there know it's very different going through an opportunity process for a cash value life insurance opportunity versus a fixed annuity versus a variable annuity versus a planning opportunity versus an advisory opportunity, right? The the stages of those opportunities differ and you really do need, need to be able to track those in a meaningful way. And that leads into the second part, which is as a business owner, you want to be able to see where you're at. So I'm going to use a couple different situations here. If you're a solopreneur or a smaller firm with say a couple different people within there, it's as much for you to keep on top of things as anyone else within the firm. It's simply understanding where your business pipeline is at and then being able to report on it and takes us to the second example which is more on the larger firm side. Let's say you get over five different associates within your firm or three or more advisors. And let's say more more specifically, you've got senior junior advisor relationships. You've got a management relationship where you've got an OSJ or you've got a, your principal of a firm. Now you want to be able to see exactly where pipeline is at for the entire firm. We talked about the Monday morning meeting, the the prep for the week, Greg. Many offices that we work with, they've got a Friday morning meeting, right? It's more business focused, where are we at for the month, the quarter, the year, and visualize for a second, being able to see for all of your advisors, if you're that principal, or if you've got a senior junior relationship, being able to visualize where those pipelines are at. And not only do we have a tile view where you can drag and drop those across the different pieces there into closed one, closed lost, or where they're at within the stages, but you can also report on it. So if you want to go into that Friday morning business meeting with your junior advisor, being able to take a look at exactly where they're at, you can do so. And you don't have to think twice about it. You can run the report in 90 seconds. So whether you're a smaller firm looking to grow and it's just you, you need to be able to keep track of things or whether it's being in more of a management role or more of that rainmaker role and being able to see where you're at, using opportunities and the reporting that comes with it is something that's only going to help you.
1: Absolutely. I mean, how do you, how do you attract new business development and new growth and new prospects? If you have somebody that, you know, is, is helping you grow this firm. How, how do you track those opportunities? Well, it, it's going to take something like that. Some people use an Excel spreadsheet, but I, I have found putting a dollar amount to it is saying, Hey, this is the potential revenues here. This is the kind of the assets. Maybe it was a million dollar rollover. This was going to be an A plus client, or maybe it was a $2 million prospect, but, but tracking those, and it, it's kind of really taking a tally or an inventory of your pipeline. And as the business owner, you can kind of say, "Hey, our our pipeline sucks right now. We need we need to maybe enhance our marketing because our, our opportunities just aren't there. So well, we need to we need to do something to to kind of get the fire burn in here."
2: Visualize this for a moment, because there's a lot of advisors out there <clears throat> in firms that are that are building their business off seminars, webinars, whatever that may be. Tracking that within your CRM, the prep we talked a little bit in episode one about how. Prep for seminars isn't easy. You got to get everything ready to go. You got to confirm things. You got to get them ready. Then you got to actually go present at the seminar, meet people. That next 48 hours, creating the prospects after that seminar, linking them up with the local business. I know in St. Louis, you've got Boeing there, right? So linking them up that they work at Boeing from there creating an opportunity after you meet with them dropping them into that new prospect workflow that you've built out so that you can then track and crystallize exactly what you need to do there again then following with that opportunity which you can bring back and connect with the prospect that can then become the client which you then on the back end then they go right into your your service segmentation. So it's all connected, and that's the nice thing is is if you're using the CRM correctly, you can track from that first handshake to the signature that whether it's e-signature, or still wet signature these days, to when they become a client. That really should all be living in your CRM.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. It's huge. It, it is a your CRM should be the, in my opinion, the most pivotal point of your, your business growth and, and, and what a way just to, just so you don't have those opportunities, just, just slip to the wayside because it's, you know, they got dollar bills, you know, attached to them. So that, that, that's something I, I'm glad we, we had a chance to touch on at the end. And if you're not utilizing your CRM for those prospects, for those, those opportunities that are out there, that's what I live for in this business. I I like, I'm kind of the, the business development person for my firm. And that's kind of what, what keeps me going anyway. So, and for those, those advisors out there, that are in growth mode, man, keeping the, Keeping that pipeline filled and and making the most of every opportunity is, is going to be huge. And how do you do that? Well, with a well oiled machine in a CRM. So, so Andrew, I want to thank you again. Andrew Ladwig, he is the director of business development with Wealthbox. He joined us today again, and this was our advanced. CRM planning for advisors. This was, this was awesome. This is probably one of the best episodes we've ever done on the podcast. So, so thank you for being here.
2: Thanks Greg. And for anyone out there, that's interested in finding out a little bit more about how to to just be better with your CRM. Feel free to reach out to wealthbox.com. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you and happy to share some of the best practices that we're seeing because we're continuing to grow as well, Greg. So much appreciated for, for your time and hope to do it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So again, Andrew Ladwig was with us from uh, Wealthbox, Director of Business Development, and we want to thank him. And this has been another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Check us out on thefaedge.com. We'll see you next week, everybody.
0: I'm